Father, we come to you this morning. Our hearts are open to you. We've worshipped you. We've sung of your goodness. We've sung of your love for us, Lord. We've reflected on how that goodness and that love has shaped our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, that love, that goodness that you've put in our lives is not just for our lives, Lord. It's not just so that we can bathe in that day after day, Lord, in your goodness and your love. But Lord, it's so that we can share it with the world around us. So this morning, Lord, as we come and we hear just somebody's testimony about how he's seeking to do that, I pray, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would touch those who need to hear this message this morning. Lord, I know that there are members of this wonderful congregation who I've loved and served for 17 odd years, Lord, who mean so much to me. Lord, I know that there are members here that you want to bring into a new place of connection with the community. I pray that as we talk together, as we share together, Lord, you might touch their hearts and Lord, we'd see people, not for the sake of these ministries, Lord, but for the sake of our lives, Lord. This is not about another chore that you want for us, Lord, but it's about a privilege that we have to serve you and to see you work through our lives. And oh, Lord, what a privilege it is. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Thank you, team. So, folks, uh, let me just get this. So, folks, this morning, uh, what I'd like to do is a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to share a little bit of a testimony of what's been happening in my life over the last three years. Uh, When I made a major change in what I was doing in my uh, nine to five. Uh, And then I want to reflect that back to some of the sermons that we've had in the last few months because they've been very much in line with what I've been going through. Um, And then after that, I'm going to share a little bit about what we're doing. Now, I've got 30, 35 minutes to do that in, so we're only going to be, you know, touching the surface in some way, uh, surface in some ways. But uh, what today is about is a fact-finding mission. It's an opportunity for people to hear the bigger picture, the, the overriding story, if you like, And then uh, later on, we've got a little uh, form that you can fill in if you want to hear more about it or get more involved in some of the projects that we're involved with. So it's an exciting story. I hope you uh, don't find it boring. And the first uh, sermon that I want to reflect on is one that a guy called Neville Bartley brought to us. Can you remember Neville? He was a curly, shaggy-haired guy, came from Scripture Union. He talked about four things. And uh, Joel, if we could have those four things up on the screen, please, buddy. The first he talked about was living intentionally. What he meant by there is living with purpose. And we've been talking a lot about that in church over the last year and a half, haven't we? The importance of living intentionally, living with a purpose in your mind, with something to focus on. The Bible says if people dwell carelessly when we don't have something to vision ourselves on, something to look towards, living intentionally. Living openly, living with our hands open, both to receive from God and from other people, but also to give to other people. Living openly, living our lives with open hands and with open hearts. Thirdly, living obediently. 
And what he raised in that point there was that obedience is often going through pain. You know, God is not the sort of father that just wants us to, wants to whack us for anything we do wrong. No, he wants to guide us and lead us and discipline us so that in the process of all of that, we become what he wants us to be. He molds us and makes us into that person that he wants us to be. And that takes some pain. Being obedient normally takes some pain because it's doing something we wouldn't necessarily like to do. Otherwise, it's not obedience generally, is it? So obedience does take some pain sometimes. And finally, living miraculously. And that's something that I think we all want to do. Wouldn't we like to see our lives part of the miraculous story of Jesus? You know, that we start praying for people on the street and we see them healed or friends in our workplace, they're sick or whatever. We want to see that happen in our lives, don't we? Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that later because I learned something really special about that in my discussion with him. Now then, Jesse, earlier this year, had a series of three about the steps to growth. Can you remember those steps to growth? What was that first one? I've given it away somewhat, haven't I? I know. Can we put the next one up, please, Joel? What was the first one that he said? Know your why. You know, that's the uh, Rebels line, isn't it? The Rebel sports shop line. Know your why. Why is knowing your why so important? Because, friends, when you start to live intentionally, when you start to live with purpose, you will face resistance. That's not an if, that is a when. And so we need to build desire, we need to build passion about where, what, what God has placed in our lives so that we can overcome the resistance when it comes. And I assure you, friends, it will come. And for me... This was a very important part of the journey. So this happened about three years ago. I, uh, I came to the amazing place in my life where that I had been my goal since I was a young, uh, young buck, that my business was at a pl- point where I no longer had to work in it in order to, for it to be able to, uh, to carry on. My daughter had taken over the, the reins of it. It was still my business, so it was providing Misty and I with an income that we could live off. And with the combination of that and some investments that we had, we didn't need to work, I didn't need to work in a business in order to be able to live comfortably for the rest of our lives, short of a major economic downturn. This was a major turning point in my life. It's something that I had set as a goal, as I said, when I was a 25-year-old and went into business. Now, I made lots of mistakes, I can assure you, in my business life. I went broke at one point in time and you know so it wasn't an easy road but somehow with all of those mistakes being made God still led me to the point where I could be financially independent. And so I looked at my life at that point and said do I carry on earning more money for the sake of earning more money or do I give my life back to Jesus for what he's done in my life. And I looked at this some of the really important things in my life. So My relationship with Misty is just so amazing. Every day I look at her and I think, how could I have a wife that's so good? And my relationship's so special. I had three daughters that, you know, all adults now, all living their own lives, but we still had this great relationship. And so many of my peers uh, couldn't say that. And so I was so grateful to God for that. I had five, well, at the time it was four, but I've got five grandchildren that just are such a light in our lives. And my relationship with God had, you know, so many of us, when we're going through life, we have our struggles about our faith journey. You know, 
what's God trying to do here? What's, what's, what's my journey all about? You know, we ask questions, don't we? And sometimes it's hard to find those answers. Well, I was at a place in my faith journey where I really felt comfortable. I felt at ease with my relationship with Jesus and what was happening and how I was relating to him. And why was this happening to me? You know, the guy that, you know, made lots of mistakes along the way, but somehow God had got me to this place where I was just overwhelmed with with a sense of gratitude. And so that has become my why. I, I cannot do anything but give back to God for all that he's done for me. And that drives me now to, 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 to somehow do something in this world and for the rest of my life that will say to him, God, I'm so grateful for what you've given me. I hope you all have a why for what you have in the days that lie ahead. Can you remember the next thing that Jesse talked about? It was developing a strategy. It's one thing to say, I really want to do something for God. But if we haven't got a strategy... We're going to continue to live aimlessly, aren't we? So what, is, what was my strategy? Well, I developed a strategy. About three years ago, I developed a strategy that I thought was really going to get me to the place that I could give back to God. And this is where the resistance thing comes up because after about a year and a half, I realized that the strategy I had developed on how I was going to express this love and this gratefulness to God was no longer going to work. Now, you can imagine that that was a very difficult time I suddenly lost my bearing, was heading in a direction thinking that was the right way to go, and suddenly it it no longer was the right way to go. And so for a period of time, I was a bit of a ship, aimless ship without a a bearing. But I went to God and said, God, you know, I really feel that this is still the journey for me, that I shouldn't give up on this desire to give back and maybe go back into business, something like that. And so bit by bit over the next two or three months, God started to show me a new plan, and that was for a better city. Because at the service that Neville spoke at, you remember a very, very special thing happened. He asked us at the end of that service, if we wanted to identify with that kind of life, if we wanted to live that kind of life, that we all stand up. And you remember many, many of you stood up. But rather than come down the front, which, was the, which is the normal thing that I'm aware of when we have church service, he got us to all go and stand by the doors. Can you remember that? How many people were there during that service? It was a wonderful expression of us saying, hey, Lord, we want to live outwardly. We want to look outwardly. We don't want to be just thinking about church life here. We want to give our lives to the community about us. And you see, what I realized in that moment was that People in church really do want to connect with their community. But in my business life, I mentored many people who wanted to get into investment, property investment, because that was my job. So people would come to me and say, I want to have a property investment portfolio, but I don't know how to get there. Will you help me? And that's what I used to do, help people get to their goal of property investment. And I felt that what God was saying to me is that, You know, those people, and in every church in Upper Hutt, there's people just like that. They really want to get out and do something in the community, but they lack the steps on which to be able to do that. They lack the platform in which they can move into the community and touch lives there. Now, Misty's a great example of that. You know, Misty has got a a, a wonderful heart for people. But if it wasn't for the fact that I had made the steps to connect with the community in the, in the community group that we run, the Overcomers group, the uh, people with mental health issues and that. 
She would never have actually gone out and touched those people's lives. But friends, I tell you without a shadow of a doubt that she now is such an important part of that ministry and they love her and connect with her so much. And that's what I mean by this. So I made the bridge that allowed her to connect with those people. And I felt God was calling me to do that, not just for my darling, but for, for the people of Upper Heart, the church, for the people in the churches of Upper Heart. And so my how was, was twofold. First of all, I was going to go out into the community and find a number of projects that, um, that needed support in the community. Because I realized that You know, people don't all want to do one thing. We've been talking to you about the Overcomers Dinner, and obviously not all of you want to connect with people with mental health. And that's absolutely fine, because God's called us to different things. So my my goal in this how was to find a broad range of projects that needed support. And then my second part of that was to go around the church leaders that I knew and ask them whether they would join me as supporter churches to encourage their people to connect with these projects. Can you see what I'm saying? That was the goal. That was the how. So the, the, the third step that uh, Jesse talked about was sharing your vision. So to develop a culture around you. So I suppose some of my friends are getting a bit bored of hearing the vision because that's what I do now a lot of the time. Share what I'm passionate about. And I thank the, the elders for the opportunity to share with you what I'm passionate about. Because I want to develop a culture of people around me who, like me, want to give back to Jesus through touching the community around them. There's lots of ways to thank thank Jesus. There's lots of ways to touch people. So I'm not saying mine's the only way. I'm just saying one of the ways in which you can do that is touching the people in the community around you. And this area here has been a really wonderful part of this journey for me. Because the fifth, uh, fourth or fifth step that Jesse talked about was being positioned for growth through prayer and worship and through surrender. Now, friends, I'm a doer. I, I accept that. I am a person that gets up and does it. And sometimes prayer is something that comes secondary rather than firstly for me. And it was really interesting. When Neville came and spoke with us, I said to him, Neville, look, I feel that I'm living fairly intentionally fairly openly and fairly obediently, but I'm not seeing the miracles that I really want to see in my life. Can I talk to you about that and find out how you're seeing that happen in your life? So I met with him a couple of weeks after for lunch, and he was, he was part of Murray Robinson's uh, Sprayton Baptist movement. I don't know how many people know about Sprayton Baptist, but it was a church down in Christchurch that accomplished enormously wonderful things in the community of Christchurch. And he was part of the team that, that led that thing happen. And very early on in the ministry, uh, Neville asked him, you know, what's the key? What's the key that I need to have, um, uh, Murray, to, to see my life, you know, start to express itself like you are? And he said, have a prayer ministry behind you. He says, right through this ministry, there has been a team of people that have prayed for me every day. So when Neville went to uh, Wanganui and started working with the youth in Wanganui, he found himself a team of people that would pray for him every day, and they're still doing that today. So that's not such an easy thing to find, of course. But I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, that seems to be a missing link in my life. Will you find me some people that will pray for me? Now, this is part of the miraculous things that happen. You know, we don't only see miracles through people healing and, you know, that sort of thing. 
Within a week, honestly, folks, I say this with my hand on my heart, within a week, Kath Wells and, uh, contacted me to ask me to help somebody in business that she was relating to and started sharing with me. Now, Kath, Wills, that Kath and Dave Wells, quite well known in Upper Hutt, is wanting to start a prayer ministry for the, the city of Upper Hutt. And she started sharing with me while we were talking about this other, after we'd finished talking about this other person, that what her vision was for Upper Hutt. And I said to her, I told her about Neville's story, and I said to her, Kath, you wouldn't be prepared to, to, to start praying for what we're doing at For a Better City, would you? And she said, Ron, that is exactly what I'm looking for. And so Dave and Kath are now praying for my ministry, well, this ministry of For a Better City every day, and we meet regularly. And the Paulsons, I went and saw the Paulsons because I have a wonderful relationship with them and I know they're prayerful people. And I asked them if they would join with Dave and Kath to pray for this ministry every day. And so we meet at the Paulsons' house regularly and we pray about the ministry of For a Better City. And friends, I've just been amazed with the miracles that are happening through For a Better City. I really am. The second area there of surrender is another big one for me because I'm a pusher. And I know that sometimes my pushing causes people to stress. And that's been one of the challenges I've had in relating to people over the, over the years is that I push them too hard and then they start to say, hold on, back off. And it's not that they don't like what I believe in and what I'm talking about, they just feel pressured. And so what God has done through this, this second phase, this, this phase of the last year and a half, it's helped me to take my hands off completely. And I have never been so surrendered and relaxed about what God is doing. I've never been so sit backish, as it were, and allowed Him to go ahead and make the things happen. And that's the wonderful thing. When you do that, He comes in and makes those things happen. And it's a wonderful part, as part of the story, to be involved in that. So, folks. What are those keys to personal growth? Live intentionally, live openly, live obediently, and you will see life lived miraculously. Know your why. Develop a strategy. Share your vision with others so you build a culture and be positioned for growth through prayer, worship, and surrender. Now, friends, as I said, I did this, this sort of thing in the business world for years, and I just want to offer you my services. If any of you feel that this is a struggle for you and you can't make the thing come together for you, I would be honored to spend time with you and help you look at your life and, and see if we can develop a why. See if we can help you build a strategy on how you will make that why happen. To start to talk to people, and I, and I will use my contacts and you can use your contacts, we will start to build a culture around you of people who want to join you in that, in that cause. And finally, I would love to pray and help you surrender your life to God so that you too can see God work through you in a wonderful way. Please, this is not a hassle for me. This is something I would feel privileged to do for you and with you. God bless you. Okay, so what has God been doing in For a Better City? We are working now in five different areas. So as I said, folks, this is an overview. There's no way I could share the details of everything that's happening in the, these spaces. It's an overview. If this interests you, challenges you in any way, if you want to speak to me afterwards, then please feel free to do that. 
The first space we're working in is the domestic violence space. New Zealand has one of the highest rates of domestic violence in the Western world. 119,000 domestic violence call-outs last year, 2016. That's about one every four minutes, I'm told. Every four minutes. Now, obviously, it's not happening every four minutes, but one in every four minutes there's a domestic call-out somewhere in New Zealand because someone is, is, uh, is doing this. Now, traditionally, and this is a good thing, but also a challenging thing, the justice system works with the victims. So you have the open, as you have the uh, women's refuges and you have children's works going on to help the victims of domestic violence. But what has not been happening is that the, the, the justice system has not been working with the perpetrators, the, the people committing the violence. A PSO house is a police safety order house. It's a place where men who have committed violence in a home have been, uh, the police have gone there. And these are men that are not in the justice system. And the police don't want to put them in the justice system. So they're not giving them an arrest. They are only giving them a police safety order. They have to leave the house for two to seven days. And traditionally what happens to these guys is because they're new in this game, they haven't got a a system that works for them. You know, they don't go to their mate's place. They're not part of a gang or anything like that, so they can go to headquarters or whatever. They crash in their car. They go to a local um, campground. They crash in a mate's couch. And they just continue to build this anger because they feel unjust and they can't, they can't deal with it. So a PSO house is a place where they can come, and we are developing a range of specialist services to help them social workers, um, uh, community workers, uh, police, doctors, a whole range of specialist people who will come to the house and they will work with these people during the time that they're there and then beyond that for a period of time. Now then the second tier kicks in, which for the men of the church, I believe is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity because these guys are vulnerable. These are not hardened criminals, folks. These are folks like you and me who have got into a stressful situation and they've made the wrong choices. And it's escalated and eventually now they've been caught. So they are in a very vulnerable place and they need and want help. And so we have an opportunity as men to gather around them in a mentoring program and we are working with It's Not Okay and a couple of other organisations to train our men who want to get into this mentoring program, train them on how they can relate to these guys how they can build relationship with them, the kinds of things that they can do together with them to walk with them. Because what's happened is a lot of these guys have become isolated in their relationships with other people, and they need to have a friend. Len, who's been in this space for a long time, I'm sure you'd agree this is, this is classic stuff, isn't it, Len? So, you know, guys, this is a wonderful opportunity for us to, to get next to them. We also have a program that we will be training folks so that they can support, continue to support the victims of these uh, violent situations, so the women and the children. We're looking at setting up um, adopt-a-families so that if there's a, a family that wants to get next to a family that's been involved in domestic violence, they can adopt them, they can start to build relationship with them, they can maybe take them on a holiday or take them on a picnic, things that they might never have been able to experience because of the situations that, that they've been in. And finally, a really exciting program that we're developing mainly for the young folk is we want to go back into the colleges and talk to the third and fourth formers 
about the challenges that they're facing in the domestic violence scene. So to try and break the cycle of domestic violence, because so often people who have been involved, kids who have been involved in domestic violence, only know that as a way to behave. We have to break that cycle. And the third and fourth form is a great time to do that when they're ending into college. We're also going to be looking at pornography and how to help them tackle the issues of pornography. Folks, I don't know if you are aware of it, but around 90 to 95% of boys in their college age are consuming porn in some way or other. 90 to 95%. And it's not because they're out looking for it. It's because they can't help but see it on their tablets. There are algorithms now that these porn manufacturers are using to target youth and send them illicit pictures and they cannot help but see them. So the the job now is not to say, hey, it's wrong and it's bad and heap a whole lot of guilt on them. What the issue now is how do we give them tools to overcome this invasion of their privacy? And thirdly, one of the major things that comes out of all that is uh, their mental health and how they're coping with anxiety disorders and depression and all these things. Major problems in the colleges. We're developing a team of seven or eight people who will be able to go into the colleges. We've already had a permission from the colleges. We're working with, uh, in this space, I'm working with the mayors of both Upper Hutt and Lower Hutt, and they have made uh, the relationships with the colleges to allow us to go into. So we'll be doing that in the new year, developing a team of people for that. If you're interested in that, I would love to talk with you further. The next space we're involved in is the Timberley Project. And Timberley is a lower socioeconomic area, as I'm sure most of you will know. And so what we're trying to do there is there's a lot of teenage crime, there's a lot of brokenness in that space. We're wanting to start with the children, the the, the little ones, build relationship with them, and over the next five to ten years, see them come into their teenage years, having had lots of positive interactions with what we are doing at For a Better City. One of the projects we're working uh, that's already started is our after-school care program in uh, uh, Māori Bank School. Uh, Martin Edwards, Bev Gillespie and Misty are the main people involved in that. We've got about uh, seven or eight young people from Hiratonga College that go on with us. We have about 25 children from that school registered on our program every uh, the two days that we do it. We have around 15-odd children come along. And the purpose there is to give them a special time. And Misty's using her creative skills, and Martin, his fun skills, and Bev is working on the whole mental health side of things with those kids. So we don't just want to look after them for those uh, couple of hours that we've got them. We really want to connect with them and uh, have wonderful opportunities. And already there's been a couple of these young bucks have, have come from these really sad situations that we are making special connections with. It's a wonderful thing to be involved in and see how they are starting to relate to the team. And from that, those young bucks, they don't have fathers in their lives most cases or they have absent fathers. And so there's an opportunity for, for our men again. If you feel called more for the youth, the young ones, here's a great opportunity for you to get next to some of these young kids and start to be a bit of a, a male figure in their lives. We've got a training program set up for that. It's, uh, once again, another way to give you the confidence so that you can build relationship. And Tim's mate uh, uh, in the ICONS program is working with us in that space to, to help train you and then help you uh, develop a program so that you can work with these young ones. Mainly play. You might have seen in the, your bulletins that uh, mainly music are looking for a helper for the Timberley project that they're working with us uh, in partnership with us on. 
and uh, they're doing a different program called Mainly Play. So rather than using music, they're using reading books and play to, to develop these young people um, so that they learn social skills, that they learn uh, liter- literacy skills, and how to, uh, you know, to, be, be, to build their imagination. So it's a great program that they've only recently developed, and we're looking for volunteer support for the main person, just as um, Rachel has a team of people um, in the Mainly Music program, we're looking for some people to work around the, the helper that will be uh, running that program. And then finally, the big project that we're running in Timberley is our food project. You'll be aware that in lower socioeconomic areas, one of the key issues around uh, nutrition is that people say, good food costs too much, I can't afford it, I can only afford the bad food. So we're now building relationships with a whole bunch of people in the community where we can get the food to them at the same price or less Good food, nutritious food. One of the relationships we've built is with the, uh, with the prison. They've got five acres of gardens that the men are working. They're not allowed to put that food back into the prison because of the, the guidelines around that. They've been looking for an organisation that they could support with that food. And so we're getting that free. So that will mean that we can pull down the price of some of the other uh, products, the veggies and the food that we'll be putting in that space. So we need volunteers in that area, foodies, people who wanted to, because a lot of them haven't learned to cook this good food either. So we need people who are prepared to, you know, mentor uh, households that want to cook this good food and get recipes that they can use to, to uh, get healthy, nutritious food on the plates of their children. So that's the Timberley Project, uh, the Mental Health Project, our Overcomers Dinners. We just passed our fourth year working with these people. Misty and I went away, as some of you will know, that uh, we were away for about five or six weeks, so we closed the program down during that time. We had our first one when we came back a couple of weeks ago, and it was just such a joy to see how, how that is now connecting people. and connect- They were so happy to be together again. It was obvious. Misty said it looked a little bit like when the kids come back from a, a school holiday. They all wanted to tell their stories about what had been happening while we'd been away. We were able to share some of it. It was a lovely atmosphere, and there's some wonderful connections going on there. And so it's another place that people can come and, and, and support what we're doing in that space. Uh, the Living Wisdom Seminars is something that we've started in the last year. We have a monthly Skype school down in uh, Mangareki, and uh, Dave and Joe Kaskala, who's an Australian um, Living Wisdom director, she, uh, they, we Skype them, and they, they do a lecture, and then I take a, 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 about an hour session where we uh, dialogue and break that down, and, and so that people can really apply small amounts of the Living Wisdom material at a time, rather than the whole lot in a, in a school. We've got a few of the folk from church that come down to that, and, uh, and I'm sure that they would be happy to tell you about how, you know, how that's really helping them because they, they keep coming. So we have about 30, 35 people come along to that. And then just before we went away, we had a day-long seminar tackling a few more subjects at a time, and we had 55 people came along to that, and it was a great day. We asked them to evaluate what we were doing, and they just came back with such positive responses. So please, uh, if you're wanting to make your mind your friend, Get involved in one of, these, uh, one of those projects. Um, prayer, as I said earlier, is, is such an important part of the ministry for a better city. We are, uh, the Wellses and us are working together to start a monthly prayer meeting for the city. Uh, and we'll be meeting in each of the churches that are supported churches. Seven churches have joined as supported churches. And we'll be meeting in each of those churches each month. 
and we'll be um, uh, praying for the, the projects of For a Better City, but also praying for a breakthrough in our city. And finally, as you well know, uh, Trevor's been talking to you about the Living Wisdom, uh, sorry, the Living Room Program. We had 17 inquirers at our first cafe night, 17 people who uh, were not basically church people and were coming with their friends to, uh, to hear about this. And the, the first part of that is talking to them about uh, connecting with the questions that they have, helping, um, helping them find the answers to those questions, and then the second stage of that is leading them to a journey of faith, a very exciting program. So there's a lot there, isn't there, friends? Is that too much to take in? I'm sure it is. But uh, the whole idea behind this morning, as I said, is to uh, give you an opportunity to ask for more information. And all of you have got one of these forms, um, and we've got some pens. I don't know where they've gone. Anne, have we got some pens around? If you want to fill these in. So this is not a, a commitment to anything, friends. This is just a saying, hey, folks, we're interested in what we are doing in these spaces, and we'd like to find out some more about that. If you've got uh, any desire to be involved uh, in that, I'll personally come and spend time with you and talk to you about the different projects that you're interested in and see if we can find a way in which you can connect with that. Is that all good? Is there any questions anyone has? Awesome. Thank you, Jesse. I think you're going. Oh, Bruce is going. No, Jesse, Bruce, Jesse, Bruce. Okay, we're back with Jesse. <laughs> hey, Ron. Ron, do you want to come back up? And we'll just pray for you before we let you go. I'm impressed you got that much amount. Uh, you got a lot in there. So yeah, we're, we're, we're within our time, I checked. You, you did amazing. <laughs> he did amazing. Let's pray for him. Jesus, we, we do come alongside Ron, Father, and For a Better City and the, and the different outreaches that are involved there. Lord, we know that there is, there is no doubt of the passion that Ron carries and Lord, and I, I so believe that it's from you, Jesus, that he, he's out there and significantly making a difference. Father, I just, we stand with him as his home church right now, Father God, and we, we honor the gift that he is. But Lord, we just pray that your hand would be upon that which he's doing, Father. And Lord, as we continue to stay together in prayer, as we together continue to stay surrendered, Father, we just put this work in your hands. And Lord, we just so appreciate those that take seriously the call that God has on our lives. Father, we pray that people would be enabled, released, equipped, sent through this ministry that's serving not just this church, Father, but the churches across Upper Hutt. And I know the reach is going to be far greater. But Lord, we just we pray that that continued state of peace would remain over Ron and all the different initiatives, Father. And we just speak for your grace over this. And Lord, we just thank you for the gift that he is to us. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you, Ron. Cool. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot there. Go, Ron, go. Go, Ron, go. I'm always, I just, the capacity there is, is, is awesome. We just want to bless you guys this morning. I'll pray to release you. And then I just want to encourage anyone that is able-bodied that wants to help support us. We've got some black chairs that need to come out. Um, but let's just pray. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, we thank you that for a better city is in the works, Jesus. We thank you that Lane Park Church is in the works, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you are doing only what you can do, Father, but we want to be used of you. That's the cry of our heart this morning. Lord, I thank you for every single person. And Lord, I pray that we would take and walk and live in that purpose that you're calling each of us to this week. Lord, release your people and send your people this week. 
And definitely send us to the curry outside. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you heaps.